I'm Joe. Nice to meet you, brother. I love watching you grow up. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Is this the tiger? Fernando Tatis Jr. A grand slam. Iguodala. It's funny to hear females talk about routes. Like. Backseat hosted by Clark and Ethan. It's funny. Hello and welcome to From the Backseat. I am your host, Ethan, and I am joined today by my co-host. What up, guys? A little early morning action here. Clark, uh, that is me. Super stoked to be back. Really looking forward to getting into things today, breaking down week one, rolling out a couple new segments for you, and of course, always, as always, hot takes. So ready to get in on things. For sure. How are you feeling this morning? Uh, feeling good, you know. Um, it's Thursday. Um, going to Tahoe this uh, weekend. Pretty stoked on that. It looks like the uh, fire up there is getting contained a little bit. Air quality is improving. So how can I not be stoked about that? That's and great. football this weekend too. That's great. We love that. We got a good Thursday night game. We do great Thursday night game. So that's big time. I, I mean, how could it? I mean. That'll probably be eh, – that will be obviously not the highest-rated season game of the year of the NFL, but it should be uh, – it's a pretty big matchup for week two. I mean, Chargers starting off with two divisional games. They can not only go 2-0, and but they can start 2-0 in the division. That would be massive right out of the gate. So people would be super stoked on that, I would have to imagine, as Chargers fans. Yeah, I mean, that would be huge as they move into 2-0, and and their schedule gets super soft. They play, like, all mm-hmm. the worst teams in the league until they're by. No, it's super helpful. I mean, that's the one thing I would say for, like, the Chargers as a team that I think people have left out is that not only do they, they, they look really good, I know it's only been one game, and their team on paper looks really good, but because they finished in third place, they play all the third place other teams in the divisions. So yeah. it really kind of softens for them outside of the division. So it, it's important to win those. So well, I mean, I mean City, you have some tougher first place teams you'll have to face. I also, I would say the divisions they play. I mean, I felt like the NFC West going into the season looked really tough, but now seeing especially two of these teams, um, yeah, I think that's a lot easier. And we play the AFC South. So yeah, that's not the hardest thing in the world, you know. Yeah. That AFC South is probably the worst division in football. I think it's so, the worst. I mean, the Texans and Colts just tied. And the Texans were probably in the front runner to get the number one seed. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think a lot of I think actually a lot of those teams, I mean, again, I you've heard my stance on it at this point. I think week one, it appeared to be almost a wash. I mean, there's so many teams. Maybe, maybe that's something we should have actually I'll save it because it'll be my hot take, but we'll get there. No, that's totally fair. So let's get into our show, and let's start off with some start bench cuts. So today, Clark, I have two about rules. So we're going to do two about rules, and then we got one extra one. Um, So what we're going to do is our first start bench cut. So start bench Uh cut, NFL rules edition. Underthrown PI, defensive holding being five yards, or the current overtime format. Hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start the current overtime format. Um, okay. I'm actually of the opinion. And are we saying this like the worst? Like which one? I'm starting the worst yeah. one. Or oh, if I'm starting the worst one, I apologize. No, 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 no. It's you're starting the best one and then cutting the worst one. Okay, gotcha. So I'm gonna again. I'll stick with. I'm starting the overtime current period. Um, I actually don't have any issue with the NFL overtime period. Um, if you're the team that has to kick first. 
just stop him one time. I, it's not that incredible of an ask. I mean, I get that it's a little bit unfair that maybe you have to, you know, the other team that scores a touchdown gets it. But here's the thing. If you keep doing the touchdown thing, the game just goes on for – it almost could go on for eternity. Like that Bills and Chiefs game, who knows how, it would have gone, how long that would have extended to if each team got the ball. But for me, I think asking your defense to get one stop is not that insane of a thing. So I, I think the the NFL overtime rule is fine. I, I don't have an issue with it. Um, the bench, um, I will go ahead and say – it's tough. Um, I would say holding only five yards. I mean, I think in some cases, I think most of the time, if it's really far downfield, I feel like, or substantially distance off the line of scrimmage, it's typically called pass interference. There's very few times I feel like I see it really, really far, like 40 yards on a pass, and they're like, oh, holding. No, they'll usually call it PI. So that'd be my bet. What, what was the last one again? Was it. Uh, uh oh the, the last one was underthrown pi and underthrown pi um actually no i'll switch that never mind just kidding under uh no underthrown pi yeah i'll definitely cut i'll cut underthrown pi um that's like really it's it's a it sucks because it's i know all flags that are thrown are technically judgment like calls but underthrown balls i feel like are far too rewarded in the nfl game they get yep. way, way too much leeway. Like quarterbacks can throw a really shitty pass because their wide receiver has to stop and go back, and the DB who's been tracking the whole time can't immediately turn on a dime. Is like, oh, caught in that middle spot, and he gets flagged for what was a terrible pass by the quarterback is not fair. So start the overtime rule, bench holding for five yards, and then, of course, you got to cut the uh, underthrown PI. I think it's like a thing quarterbacks know now. They're like, oh, oh. if I got one-on-one – I'm not sure. I just got to huck one up, underthrow it a bit, to, a bit, and could get that flag. There's one specific quarterback that does it all the time. Can I think? Wait, hold on. How is he? How good is he? Uh, you would call him mid. I would call him mid. Huh. Think about a short white receiver who would run a lot of deep posts who would go up against taller defenders and he would just kind of throw it up there. So he would turn around and make it look like it was a good ball. Oh God. I don't, why can't I think anyone who do I think? I know I've seen it all the time. Yeah. It's Derek Carr. Oh yeah. Derek, Derek Carr, Carr does it good. all the time. And I swear on that pick to Devonte Adams, which was that super underthrown Raiders ball fans where, for some reason wanted it. They were like, that's PI. I'm like, no, yeah, that's a great example. That was a well-underthrown ball. Really it was underthrown. way underthrown, and that was clearly what was he was trying to do. And it was just a great play by Asante Samuel Jr. Yeah. Um, no, no way was that pass interference. No. No way. Not only that, but he threw in the triple coverage. So, yeah. It's like, what do you want? Easy. So, great game uh, this season, first year. I mean, first game of the season there, Derek. That was inspirational. All right. So, our second one. So start bench cut MLB rule changes edition. Ah. No shift, bigger bases, or a pitch timer. <sighs> this one's kind of tough for me because I heard an argument yesterday against like pro no shift that I actually kind of like. Tony Gwynn Jr. Mm-hmm. and Jesse Aguilar on the Padres radio broadcast. They bring up a good point. That eliminating a shift um not every team you can you can see different variations of teams like not every team has to be cookie cutter they're kind of the same build 
because you need X to do whatever, you know, each player to have a certain role. Now with no shift, it allows you to mold your roster a little bit differently, which I think is kind of nice. However, that being said, um, I still think no matter what, you have to cut the, the shift rule. I, I think the shift is it's there because it's just advantage, it's just strategy. You know, you risk leaving one half of your infield essentially wide open, but at the same time, you know, it's the hitter's ball, it's the hitter's job to go to the other way if they can. It's not that insane of a concept to be like, all right, just go the other way with the pitch, you can do it. But guys just don't. So I will say I will cut the um, cut the uh, the shift. I think it's stupid in some ways still, even though I think I do agree with the idea that you can mold your team differently now with some of the rule information. You can do different things. Yeah. Um, I will bench the pitch clock. I, I I think the pitch clock's fine. What I actually hated, I don't know if you saw this, but the limit batters walk up music now. Like that's you can only have it for ten seconds. I'm like, screw that. Play it a little bit longer if you want. Who cares? If it's a fun one, the crowd gets into it. It's fine. I, so, But the pitch clock, that's fine. I think that will increase the pace of play for sure. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's been a pitch clock in the past, or at least an in-between inning timer, and I don't know how much players abide by it. So the enforcement's the only thing I'm concerned about. And then the start, uh, the base, I think the uh, increased base size is good. I think it's good for player safety. I think it's a main goal. You don't have You hopefully avoid situations where guys – you know, roll their ankles or, you know, slip on the, like, get too close to one of them running into each other. I think it's good for player safety, so I definitely start the uh, increased bag size. Okay. So our last one is start bench cut. Worst NFL week one decisions. Ah. Nathaniel Hackett kicking a 64-yarder. Okay. The Arizona Cardinals blitzing Mahomes 54% of the time. Or the Rams not targeting Cam Akers or Allen Robinson in the game? Um, so uh, the one I'm starting is the one I think it's the worst decision. Correct? Yes. Yeah. The worst decision of week one has to be, unfortunately, Nathaniel Hackett. Um, I know he went back after the post and the next day's press conference and said, yeah, looking back at it, it was a mistake. So I guess kind of props him for acknowledging it. I don't know if he'll actually change his discourse, but – Look, here's the thing. If you pay a quarterback $275 million and you're fourth and five and you're debating whether or not to go for it or kick a 64-yarder, which one time last season would have been an NFL record, you leave the ball in your quarterback's hands because you paid them all that money. I didn't understand the decision then. I won't ever understand. It was five yards. They could get five yards, I, I, I believe. I'm pretty confident. So I would say that's the stupidest decision. Um, the second dumbest decision from the after, uh, so my my bench would be uh, blitzing Mahomes fifty four percent of the time. Uh, the Cardinals have decent corners, I suppose, but uh, blitzing Mahomes that often is really just not going to work. Um, it gives him too many one on ones. He's going to find the guy that he wants. Plus, if you're blitzing, uh, you probably leave Isaiah Simmons, who I don't know if you saw him on Travis Kelsey on Sunday, but that was a disaster. So yeah. uh, Cardinals very stupid on that one. And then what was the last one again? Uh, not targeting Cam Akers or Allen. Yeah, Robinson. that one I really don't. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, Cam Akers, I, I, I don't know. I, I, and Allen Robinson, I guess I, I'm more chalking it up to they just didn't win their routes as much. Or they didn't, like with Akers, they were probably like, well, he's not running the ball well. I always felt the Cam Akers hype was a little bit much. Allen Robinson, I'm guessing, just didn't win his one-on-ones, which is probably more concerning. But again, it's just week one, so what are you going to do? But yeah, that would be my order. I would 
I would definitely just uh, cut that one. I didn't mind the Acres and Robinson not getting targeted as much. Obviously, you want to get more involved in the offense, but they could have just not been winning their matchups. Okay, so what we're going to do now is that was our start bench cut. I, I totally agree about the Hackett thing, by the way. Yeah. I mean, for me, the, the tweet that like seals how bad of a decision it is is the – I forget who it was, but basically it was like this was the NFL record this time last year. Yeah. And McManus is a big leg, but it's not that big. Well, it's in battle. It's like there's so many variables. It's just stupid. Well, and what's funny is uh, I talked to my dad about it. And my dad was basically like, yeah, I mean, five yards with Russell Wilson. I don't know if you can do that. And I'm like, why no. are you paying him 250 then? Why are you paying him all this money if you really don't believe he can get you five yards? I know, exactly. I mean, it, five yards, I'm certainly betting. Well, maybe this is a different scenario because Denver was out of time. Well, there's no, a lot weren't. of things. They, are, no, they had one they, timeout. They, they weren't. They had two timeouts. Because remember, they and they yeah, actually you're right, you're right. Because they took the timeout to kick the field goal. No, so you're right. They had three. So I guess that's another thing too that Nathaniel Hackett, I don't think got enough heat on. That was a terrible clock management. I mean, they huddled at one point and then like spread out and then didn't know what they were like. Courtland Sutton had no idea what he's yeah. running the route on the outside. They wasted about 40 seconds just to call a timeout. It well, was but, like, I mean, if you're kicking the field goal, it makes sense to bleed the clock because you don't want to leave time. But why are you kicking a 64 yard? No, exactly. I get that that was his max range. But that's literally, as of last year, that's the NFL record, and only Justin Tucker has hit something longer than that. No, there was, uh, there was no reason, there was no reason to kick there. There's no variable of existence that told you, oh, time to kick this ball. Not at all. I mean, especially with the weapons you have on Denver's <laughs> offense. Except, yeah, I mean, all you need is a five-yard yeah. slant, a five-yard out, anything. You're going to win. I mean, Seattle, they played well, but their corners aren't, like, spectacular. I mean, Quandre, just don't go after Diggs. And I'm pretty sure Diggs is safety at this point. He so, is a safety. So I'm like, <clears throat> no, it's true. Else, just look fine. anywhere else on the field. I mean, the other thing. Albert O. I don't know if there's any other opportunity to do that. I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand that decision in any sense. And the whole time I was sitting there, and a bunch of Charger fans pointed this out of like, man, if Brandon Staley like didn't pick up the fourth and five, people would like go crazy that he didn't kick the field goal. Like it would be the other way. No, I don't think anyone would. I don't think anyone would. I, I just think I don't get why you ever kick a field goal there unless if you have Justin Tucker. That's about it. Justin Tucker's the only guy who I'd be like, all right, I kind of get it. But even then I'd be like, well, hold on a minute. We still have, like if you're the Ravens and you did that, I still think as a fan, you're like, wait a minute. We have two timeouts. We have Lamar. We don't think we can get five yards. I know. I don't know. I, it's only five yards. That thing. See, if it was like fourth and 15. Then I get it. Then I get it. But fourth and five, come on. You have Jerry Davis, Portland Sutton. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. And especially when I get it, Geno Smith played well enough to win, but he scored 18 points. Like, let's not get over the moon about how good Geno played. No, there was not. I mean, Gino, I, I give a lot of props to Gino. Also, I will say one thing, just non-football related. It was interesting to see so many former Seahawks reactions to Russell Wilson's loss for De with Denver on social media. There was a lot of guys like chirping him that used to be his teammates, like Doug Baldwin, Richard Sherman. I'm like, I don't think he's popular. I don't think he's popular either, which is wild to me for a guy that stuck around in Seattle for so, so long and had some success there. It clearly, I mean... 
I think people are sick of the courtiness of him. I think if you're an NFL player, you're probably pretty sick of that stuff. Well, I don't know. His business decisions are weird in terms of like that TikTok that he filmed the other day. I don't know who that was with. I was like, whoa, that's a little bit corny, bud. That's pretty. Was that the one about like faith? He put out one the yeah. other day about like the most air, Go ahead. But like, it was just like, what are we doing? Everything about Russ like, right filmed now. Filmed in a hotel room. Everything about Russ right now is so weird. He had a good game. I thought he said, I don't think Russ was the problem. In- no, he played well enough to win Where? that game. But I, the thing is right now, I don't know if he's going to, if he plays like that, I don't know if he's going to play well enough to beat any of these AFC West teams. Well, here again, I think that it's week one. It's week one. No, it, it comes back to that. It's week one. And I mean, I know what your hot take is. I can already guess. So let's get into it. How about you start? What is your hot take of the week? Yeah. So my hot take of the week, it'll actually go back. um, You know, me and Ethan have both said, well, preseason doesn't really matter that much. And I don't think it truthfully does for the number ones. Um, My hot take is that maybe after seeing everything that just happened with a lot of teams and a lot of good quarterbacks, quote unquote, good quarterbacks, Maybe preseason reps are a little bit more valuable for starters than some think. I know there was plenty like Herbert who didn't play, who had a very good week one. I understand that. But for some of these guys, like I'll throw Carr in there. I'll throw Burrow in there. I'll throw Stafford in there. They didn't play snap of the preseason. You know, there's a lot of guys around the league that looked rusty week one, whether it be from decision-making standpoints or just overall play. Maybe preseason has a little bit more validity than I once thought in terms of the value that can actually offer just off of game reps and maybe just, you know, seeing it. A lot of times guys talk about, well, I need to get hit first before I really get locked in. But I just think after watching so many odd things unravel week one, like what was, I think eight playoff teams from last year lost week one, and it was to some really head-scratching teams. So I mean, there were a lot of upsets. There were a lot of upsets, and I don't know if that's because they probably came into a game that – you know, oh, we're not playing a very good team. Maybe they just want it more. I don't know. But I think my takeaway is that, yeah, maybe maybe preseason you need a couple reps, not a whole game, not a whole – like maybe just one drive, and you just say very conservative. But you need to see the field a little bit more. Practice does do it. And I still think I wouldn't want my quarterback or anyone playing more than just a drive or two. But maybe I, were, I was underestimating the importance of, you know, just a touch of preseason action can have, a touch. No, I get the argument. Mine's actually, to add on, my conclusion is not about um, quarterbacks. It's about offensive lines. I feel like offensive lines across the league looked slow and defensive, especially edge rushers were dominating the tackles. Just because these offensive linemen, all they've been doing is basically hitting pads for the last month. And this was the first time they were hitting another defensive player and actually being able to hit them. It's not... Like in practice, I mean, when you do joint practices, you can touch them, but it's not on the level in yeah. which they do it right now. Um, so for my conclusion was all about offensive lines, like people overreacting about the Bengals, like, oh, their offensive line isn't fixed. Yeah, I think it's a lot of this is a brand new unit, and this is yeah. the first time they're really all playing against each other, against stuns, twists, any kind of exotic pressures, especially from a team like Pittsburgh. Yeah. And – uh, so the one team that I will say that I just think is a bad offensive line and this doesn't apply to is the Raiders. Do not take this conclusion if you're a Raiders fan. I think your offensive line just isn't very good and Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa yeah. just 
took the lunch from you. But I think yeah. those two guys are going to take the lunch from a lot of offensive linemen. I mean, Colton Miller's a really good player, and Khalil Mack made him look bad. But I just think those two edge rushers are just elite. But I think the Raiders do have some issues, especially on the right side of the line, that I would be concerned about, especially with Carr's ability when pressure gets in his face. He kind of seems to shrivel up. Yep. Um. So I hope he can get out of that mold. Parham looked good when Parham came in. I don't get why he wasn't the starter to start. He came into the game about in the third quarter. And from yep. there, the, the offensive line issues kind of went away. So if I were the Raiders, I'd be starting Parham. I don't get why that decision was ever made that he wasn't. Um, I guess one thing like I'll say again, just going back to your point on the offensive line, um, in, in training camp, all you see is the same rotation of, of pass rush moves from your guys. Yeah. Like you don't see a high variation. You don't like, you know, I'm sure like if we talk with the Bengals, like I'm sure Lyle Collins shot a lot, saw a lot of Joseph Osai, Sam Hubbard, um, Trey Hendrickson, TJ Watt, I promise you has different skill sets all lined up on the right tackle against them. Like there's plenty of different variations you're going to see that you don't see in training camp. For sure. Um, so Drew, who's watching, I assume this is, oh, this is probably Cody. Um, good morning, Cody. Um, so we need to set a unit protecting rotating offensive lineman makes it hard to build trust with the rest of the offense, but no doubt Mac affected and Bosa too. Wait, they were rotating their offensive linemen. They were, it's not a set line. I just assumed that Parham came in cause there was like an injury or something. They're rotating offensive linemen. Well, that's, I'll be honest. It probably, it probably was. The Bengals rotated offensive line last year when it got really bad. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that doesn't like sound we would good. switch from like Isaiah Prince to you know Akeem Adeniji. Oh. Back and forth. When you have a very bad O line, typically you have to try different things. Okay. Well, um, so those are our hot takes of the week. Is there anything you want to add on? Oh, I guess uh, I haven't I, said mine. Yeah, you haven't said yours. Let's say someone hasn't Sorry. said theirs. It's early. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Um. So my hot take of the week is, so I was going between two. I'm going to say my first one just as a, I'm now totally stamping this before okay. I was like a little, and this is my conclusion from week one. I think the giants are making the playoffs based oh. on what I saw. I, I, I kind of believe in this team. I think Brian Dable is real. I think he's a really good coach and with now Dallas missing Dak for a month, I think that really opens up that last seed in the wild card race. I think that seventh seed, a team can really sneak in. And right now, what I'm going to put my money on is I think it's the Giants. I think Saquon looks really good if he can stay healthy. I think that offense, while Daniel Jones doesn't look great, he's doing enough to keep them in games. I mean, they just beat Tennessee. Brian Dayball is inspiring this team to play well, and that defense looks really good. So for me, this is my week one thing. And I had said my hot take was I thought they were dark horse team. I'm stamping it. I think they will make the playoffs. I am I am now saying that is my my stamp. I still think you're looking over the team. I think there's a team that's in the division that's better than them. That's would yeah. be in second place. I I like I I think the commanders look better than the Giants do. I disagree. I know you do. I just here's the thing. Here's the thing. Do you trust Daniel Jones to get this team close to the playoffs? Do you really no, trust? But I Daniel don't trust Jones? Carson Wentz. I trust Carson Wentz. If I had to choose between the two, I'll choose between the two. One that's actually show me they can actually play well at some point. I guess, but I think Saquon is a more impactful player than both of them. 
if Saquon stays healthy. I mean, that's the main thing. That's he has a to stay healthy. huge question. This is but it. We're also talking about a Giants team that employs a healthy Kadarius Tony and for some reason doesn't play him. Yeah, I think there, I think there's something in the locker room that's going on that just isn't working right now. How I, he's like, if you want, like when he played last year, he was clearly the most talented wide receiver on that roster. I don't think that's changed. Yeah. Oh, I think so too. But I think he's probably doing something in the locker. There must be something behind the. You don't just do that to a player that talented. Well, they also start Kenny Galladay, and that guy clearly doesn't give a shit. Yeah, Kenny Galladay's bad. Kenny Galladay's the worst free agent signing, I think, probably the last 15 years. Yeah, I mean, he was made the highest wide receiver in the league. He currently has the biggest cap hit of any receiver right now. Yeah, and it's hilarious. I remember when I wanted the Bengals to sign him, and then we didn't, and we got Jamar Chase instead because we needed a wide receiver. So thank God they didn't Kenny Galladay because he's certified garbage. I mean, you'd have Sewell, so... I mean, there'd be some prop there. See what I mean if we develop them right. Yeah, I mean, he's really good in Detroit. He well is great in Detroit, but I think again, we if we're I mean on this conversation of it, um, I would much rather still have Chase than Sewell, but for sure. Well, so let me go on to my actual hot take. So that's just me. I wanted to like update. Oh, okay, okay. Like I wanted to like update. Update. I had said. Yeah, like I had said that they were dark horse. I wasn't exactly sure. I was like, this could be a sneaky team. Now I'm saying I think they're a playoff team. But my real yeah, okay, my okay. real hot take is I think Cordero Patterson is the most underrated player in the league. I think, I think week in, week out, Cordero Patterson is so good. The fact that he's in his 30s and playing this well for the Falcons still is crazy. I mean, a lot of people, and me included, give Debo the credit of that he's the first kind of mix of this running back this h-back kind of role this Mm -hmm. really running back slash receiver kind of guy but in the comments of when i said that and then we posted it on tiktok people were like what about cordell patterson he kind of did it first and i think i kind of have to eat crow i i think you're right i think cordell patterson is really the mold of what that can look like now he's more of a running back than he is a receiver at this point whereas debo's the other way around but Cordero Patterson is so slept on. He is the only reason the Falcons are even relevant right now. Yeah. I, would I agree. Mean, He's the only reason the offense did anything last week. Again, he is so good and no one gives him any credit. And I think it's mainly just because he started his career as a kick returner. Which, honestly, his kick return career, if you're going to put Devin Hester in, I almost think Cordero Patterson needs to be in the Hall of Fame too. Just from looking at the numbers and the way that it works, I don't know. What, what I don't do you know. Think? Like, here's, the, here's my thing on Cordero. I think Cordero's a really good player. I agree. He's very underrated. But are you saying that because the numbers support it or because he's a fantasy god in the last two years? Like, is that figuring into it? I feel like some of his uh, fantasy football success because he gets so many touches and maybe like a PPR like he's really good but I, I mean that's just my only thought on the underrated mark I still think he's very good I still think he's really found himself a nice little niche in Atlanta I think a lot of teams would certainly desire his uh his abilities but is it he's the most underrated or is he just are you saying that because the fantasy side is leaking in a little bit well I, I mean I I think it's hard not to put the fantasy side in but at the end of the day the reason I say he's underrated is because last offseason, no one was signing him. In fact, it took him forever to get signed. And then he comes on to the Falcons, and he had a 1,000 scrimmage yards, over a 1,000 scrimmage yards, 11 touchdowns, plus he offers value in the kicking and punting game. 
I mean, somehow he's in his 30s as a running back, and I feel like every single year of his career he's gotten better and better because people were talking about him in Minnesota as a complete bust. Well, yeah, the way Minnesota was using him was like, I don't know. I never saw him as like a great receiver at Tennessee. Even I remember when he came out, I was never like, oh, this is like super wild what he does well. He just seemed like another speedster. Which typically in the NFL he was just used that like that whether he was in Chicago, uh, you know, New England or with Minnesota, it was just kind of oh he can kick return he can play wide receiver maybe he's more of a gadget guy than anything else. But now in Atlanta he certainly found a much greater role. And I think you're right he he was more doing the wide receiver running back combo before Debo was. So yeah, and I mean the numbers don't really support that I would really call him a hall of fame player i just think when you look at it when people talk about best running backs in the league cordero patterson isn't even in the breath of what you think well, about that's, do you, i mean i guess he is considered a running back now he's he's considered a running back now but i mean he had a thousand scrimmage yards last year 11 touchdowns in his first game this year he had 136 yards a touchdown i mean that's great value from a dude that people kind of don't even talk about at all yeah. I mean, you'd be I think any team in the league right now unless if you have one of the top 10 guys would be happy with Cordell Patterson being in their running back room. I would agree. I think they would be pretty satisfied with that. I mean, I think he adds a lot of value and no one ever talks about him in that conversation. So that's I why I say I think when I I think fantasy obviously leaks in cuz he was like a waiver wire pickup who played really well, ended up as a top 10 running back. Yeah. But I mean, when you look at it even numbers wise, he really should be not in the top 10 conversation, but should definitely be in the top 20 conversation, top 15 yeah. conversation. I think he deserves to be there. And I think people just overlook him because he plays in Atlanta right now. I agree. I mean, Atlanta is kind of the, although they almost snuck one out there week one, but yeah, Atlanta's kind of not the place to be for the NFL right now. For sure. All right. So we are going to move into our next segment, which is called in and out. So this was, this was created by Clark. And what we are going to do is we are going to pick a player who had a bad week, so is on the out, and we're going to say why they might be coming back in. So we're going to pick a player who had a down week one and say why they might rebound or not to overreact. Love. I'll let you, I'll let you go first. I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. So my player is I thought about two different quarterbacks. So I almost went with Joe Burrow. But mm-hmm. to me, Joe Burrow is one, if I pick it, like he's obviously going to come back. This was obviously just a bad week. I don't feel like there's anything that's that concerning right now. I get that you want to say the offensive line, he ran into some pressures, things like that. But he's going to come back. So I, I didn't think that was that interesting to talk about. Yeah. The one I really want to talk about is a quarterback we've already talked about, and that's Derek Carr. Derek, Carr, Derek Carr showed up week one, played honestly – this is going to be how I break it down. He made some really good throws and then made some boneheaded throws. He showed that he has anytime he has to unwield the deep ball. And I made this point about underthrown PI earlier. He somehow always skies that thing underneath the receiver. And I think that's going to continue this year because on that deep shot to Devonte Adams, Devonte Adams had an easy three steps on Bryce Callahan. There was no communication between Asante Samuel and Bryce Callahan Devontae gets off the drop, and Callahan is easy three steps behind him with no safety coverage over the top. That should have been an easy touchdown. But Derek Carr somehow skies the ball to allow Asante Samuel to come off the flat receiver, run 30 yards down the field, and pick it off. 
I mean, talk about I concerning. Agree. You it have is. to look at that. And then on the next drive, he comes out and tries to throw an out route and doesn't see Bryce Callahan. And Bryce Callahan almost takes it for six. I mean, Derek Carr showed a lot of things that were concerning. I, to me, actually, the worst throw of the game was a drive no one's talking about right now, which is that throw to Darren Waller in the end zone where Darren Waller was like right in front of him and he threw it way behind him. And it was almost a pick to Derwin James, even though Darren Waller had the end zone wide open for an easy touchdown. Mm -hmm. So the reason I'm picking Carr is I think this is a situation of he's getting used to a scheme. He's getting used to the new offensive line, how it's moving, how it's going. Everything is new to him. And while we uh, we both say he's not top 10 and he's right outside of it, he's fringe top 10, I think he'll be able to rebound from this. And the biggest thing is not every week is he going to be playing Bosa and Mac. I think a lot of people are trying to say Carr played so bad, he sucks so much, and they're not factoring into this pass rush is just legit. There was pass, There was pressure in his face all day. He's not going to play this every week. Now, while I don't think he'll get to that top 10 mark, I think he's going to get back to where he was. Because in week one, he played really, really bad. And he was the reason the Raiders probably lose, if we're being honest. So, mm-hmm. for my in-and-out player, I got to go Derek Carr. I think he's going to get back to that fringe top 10 level. I think it was a rough week one for him. But I'm re- I hope he I hope he gets back there. If he plays like this, the Raiders better look for a new quarterback after this year. Yeah, you know I I like it. I think again I, I'm with you. I think uh, Carr definitely some concerns, but I think you're right. It's new offensive scheme. He's getting used to things. A little bit change of personnel on the outside. I know it's Devontae Adams in there instead of not running for a baller, but take a little bit of time to smooth things over and get things figured out. Um, so I understand it. I like uh, I like that you still think he's in. You know, we still have the end. Not going to sell out on him yet. So for my guy that I was between on in and out after week one, I think it was a dude on a team that got not enough credit for a head scratching loss because it truthfully was. Um, and I feel like not a lot of people talked about what was an underwhelming week one performance. It's a guy you've touched on a little bit this year, uh, earlier this offseason. Um, in or out for me this week is Derek Henry. Um, oh, okay. Only averaged only 3.9 yards per carry, uh, 21 carries for 82 yards. He doesn't really do a ton in the passing game as he had zero catches. Um, yeah. The concern for me going into the offseason and going into this season has been, while I still think he's the best back in the league, has been if he's going to stay at the same usage rate. And at this rate, after this game, it kind of looked like maybe it's getting to him a little bit. I know the Giants have a good defense, and that could have slowed him down certainly. But I think what I'm a little bit worried about too is that with no AJ Brown, with no Julio Jones, your top receivers being guys like, you know, Traylon Burks, who's unproven, Robert Woods, who only had one catch, is that will teams just sell out on Derrick Henry? And so I think there's a number of things age, usage, and will teams sell out when I look at Derrick Henry? Um, I may, I thought about amending my stance on him being the best back. I still don't think I'll change it yet. I'm still in on Derrick Henry, but I'm still worried. That again, teams look at the Titans and say, I'm not concerned about anyone on the outside right now. I don't think there's anyone who you really sit there and think about, oh no, this guy's going to be a matchup nightmare for us on the outside. They don't have that. Burks could be it, but it's only going to be week two next week of his rookie season. 
Robert Woods is fine, but truthfully, he's probably a number two for most other teams. His best seasons were schematically when he was put together as a wide receiver with the Rams. And then outside of that, it's a lot of like, okay, what are we doing here? So I was teetering on the fence. I almost set out, but I remember this is Derrick Henry. So I'm still in on Derrick, but there's a lot of things the Titans are involved with right now, whether it be, you know, how people are going to approach him, how much they're going to continue to use him. I'm just worried about him. I think he might break down a little bit this year. No, I like that pick. Uh, I thought he would break down. That was what I said over the offseason. I predicted that this was going to happen. Again, I don't think he's going to break down to where he's, like not playable anymore. Yeah. I just don't think he's going to be as effective. And that's why I thought the Titans weren't going to be a playoff team. Yeah. And- I mean, the Titans, I mean, again, they're, I think they're one of those teams that I right now would fall into the category of like, eh, that was unfortunate week one, but I'm kinda, more, cons- more concerned than others. Cause I don't know if the personnel is that good. I don't think the personnel is good enough there. I mean, people that always went on the back of Derrick Henry is the mover of that offense, but if Derrick Henry isn't moving the offense, they don't really have anyone threatening on the outside. They don't have a threatening tight end, really. Nope. Their quarterback isn't really threatening. Their offensive line is okay. Their defense, now without their best without pass rushers, yeah. without their best pass rusher, is okay. Yeah. Without I mean, Sam- yeah, they have Justin Simmons, but no Harold Landry anymore out the year. They have Kevin Byard, who's really good, but a safety can't really make or break your defense. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. I, I think, yeah, if there was – the Titans more, I, I agree with you, overall as a whole, it's not because of – like, I think week one was a little more concerning because of the, of the talent. I don't know if they have the talent to keep up with other teams. Yeah. Like, with the Raiders, like, for example, like, with the Raiders, with the Bengals, with a team maybe like, uh, like the Cardinals or a team like, you know, even – I don't know, the Rams. It's like, okay, bad week one, but you still see talent on the roster. Like, okay, they'll make up for it. It was just something that happened week one. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move into our next segment, which is called Fan X. So we've gone through now. Fans are out and about. They're on Twitter. They're everywhere. And so I thought I'd introduce a segment where we talk about things that are annoying us about fans. And they're not of specific fan bases. I mean, maybe they are, but it's just things that you see that are kind of icks. I'm thinking about making this a TikTok segment as well. Um, so Clark, do you want to go first? What's your first Yeah, I have one that stands off a, a ton. This is one that I see all the time. And again, um, it comes between uh, the instant need to compare everyone. I understand yeah. it. Um, and it really stems from the conversation between Burrow and Herbert. Yeah. Um, for me, the fan ick is like, okay, your quarterback is a really good game, maybe a slightly less slash not good performance the other quarterback of another team who doesn't even relate to you. And you just immediately are like, this is X, Y, and Z. I told you this. This is why this guy's better. Oh, my God. You have such a shit quarterback. Look at what I have. Like, you know, look yeah. at these, like, numbers from one game that prove, like, everything. I'm, I'm so, like, to me, that's just so eyewash and ridiculous. Like the, the constant pettiness and need to go back and forth rather than just to maybe acknowledge the fact that it's allowable the two quarterbacks be good. I don't know if that's just an un like a thing you can't have. Um, so I guess my my uh, my fanic overall for most teams is just like the the instant need to draw a comparison. We don't need to do it all the time. You can be you can allow others to enjoy what they have while you enjoy what you have yourself. There's nowhere in the rule book where it says you have to crap down someone's throat just to make a comparison. You don't have to do it. The fanic for me is the instant need for comparison. I, I just don't need it. 
No, that makes total sense. I, I get that one. And I, I'm going to call out someone and it's Arjun from PFF. Yeah. Because I feel like he's the worst offender of this. Because last week he was like going off about how like we shouldn't compare Khalil Mack and Trey Hendrickson and like making the Chargers Bengals rivalry like even deeper with comparing things other than Burrow and Herbert. I'm like, dude, come on. Hendrickson is a good player. I get that Khalil Mack played incredibly well, but why are we comparing? The- Khalil Mack is a Hall of Famer. Like, what are yeah. we even talking about? No, I think it's it's stupid. Like, again, like, yeah, I was – Arjun is definitely the guy who was like, you know, Burrow. Like, I, I, I didn't check. I think I have him muted on Twitter. But, yeah, I, I know, just, he, like, he had plenty of things to say about it. I'm sure he did. And it's like – it's just classic to me because, like, again, if – this was like again, Bengals fans probably would have done the same thing if this would have happened the other way. If Herbert had a terrible game and Burrow just like played great, yeah. But it's just like okay, we can just acknowledge the fact that both teams are good. I think I mean, that both quarterbacks are really good, and you should be glad to have them. And sure, you can make comparisons. I think maybe when the season's over, when you yeah. want to do your final list, but week one or just like the insistent on everything just to make a conversation that doesn't need to be had. It's just silly. It's just silly. It's very, very silly. Well, I think like one more thing. I think it just it tails into like, okay, it's basically saying, Oh, you can't enjoy this. You can't enjoy that. Like, don't don't like that because I have a stat that says so. It's like Well, the funniest is then in the Burrow Herbert thing, um, is then when Dolphins fans try to chime in about oh, with Tua. Tua. <laughs> it's like really just stay out of this one. Or like because there were a bunch of Dolphins fans that were chirping Bengals fans all week about Burrow. Like, oh, that's what I've never understood. That's like, what, what are you I don't talking get? about. Like, I don't why are you it. a part of this? Yeah. At I least the Chargers and Bengals things kind of make sense because they're. But I mean, it's annoying, and I'm sick of the conversation because at the end of the day, why does it matter? Yeah. I mean, during the Philip Rivers years, it wasn't like Chargers fans were constantly chirping New York Giants and Steelers no. fans about the Eli Ben Roethlisberger. They just talked about it in the media, but it wasn't like a thing that fans had to feel like they justified it all the time. Yeah. But now it feels like there's this coddling need to say it all the time. All the time fans. and throw it into any conversation. Yeah. All right. So my fan ick has to do with actually a couple of different teams and a couple of different arguments that made. Mine is when your team loses and you tell and the winning team is gloating to you and your response is that they should have beat beat you by more points. That is so annoying to me. That's no, very a lo- dumb. A loss is a loss. Like Raiders fans all week were like, oh, you got three turnovers and only one by five. Who cares? It's yeah. a loss. Who cares? Also, the point total at the end of the game does not matter. Because like in the Chargers case, they just went conservative and weren't really playing offense. They were just trying to bleed clock. They weren't trying to score points. They were trying to get ticks off the mark. It's not like the Raiders came back, yes, and it became close at the end. But at the end of the day, you still lost. It doesn't matter what how many points it is. Like, oh, you should have beaten me by more. I played so bad. Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? I know lost. The, the, it still counts as a win or a loss in the uh, the column last time I checked, no matter what the uh, differential is. So, oh, also, hey Clark, look yeah. who just checked in. Oh my God, get out of here! What are you? Do- 
Uh, for Thanks, those Lizzie. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God. Raiders fans are so annoying. They are really annoying. They uh, are if, annoying. If um, you have a, if you know a girl who's a Raiders fan, do not ask her to be your girlfriend. That is just a massive – or not, actually, just say no if she asks you, you know, to go out or, you know, anything like that. Just don't say yes. Avoid that conversation at all costs. It's terrible. For sure. Um, yeah, so that's my fanic. Whenever whenever you lose and your only response to the other team's fans when they're chirping you is like, oh, you should have won by more points. Like, that's, you're a bad yeah. team. You only won by five. Okay. No, it's, it's like, I mean, again, for me, like, you know, with the like the Bengals, like, I didn't, like, steal, like, I hope no Bengals fans are like, oh, well, we should have won, like, three times, but we didn't. We didn't do that. We, we missed yeah. PATs in 29-yard field goals. So. Another one is and sometimes it is true i will say is any time that you say we beat ourselves sometimes i i mean sometimes it is true sometimes it is sometimes it is true but again this is another raiders fan because just because now our tiktok is flooded with all those raiders people in our for you page um every single one of their arguments is like oh you guys like all you did was chirp all off season you came in and won and only won by five like you guys are like so bad like we beat ourselves if car didn't throw those three interceptions like we would have won the game we beat ourselves yeah the, the hypothetical game is a, a tiresome game that is just useless yeah all right so let's move in to our next segment which actually we're just talking about the brett Favre situation yeah so if you didn't see it over the weekend brett Favre has gotten thrown into some scandal clark do you want to explain it yeah, so basically, essentially, uh, I believe the story of everything is that Brett Favre uh, used the welfare system to exact out money with the help of, let me just make sure I get this correct, as I said it to you the other day. Uh, yada, 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 yeah, basically, he's using- yeah, so basically, former, uh, so according to mes- text messages and fi- court filing, uh, former Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant helped Brett Favre obtain welfare funds in order to build a new volleyball center at the University of Southern Mississippi. So that's not okay. That's terrible. Brett Favre, I think probably underrated guy for just shitting on his own um, reputation since leaving the NFL. You've had so many weird and bad things come out about Brett Favre, I feel like. Yeah. It's like, you know, photos he was sending that former New York Jets employee of just like not okay stuff at all. Then now you have this. It's like, what is going on, Brett? This is terrible. This is really, really bad. Because here's the thing I don't get to. Brett Favre, you have to have an exponential amount of wealth, whether it be from your crappy Levi commercials or your contract money left over in Green Bay or whatever various teams in Minnesota or New York. Um, you could also have gone out to other private areas and be like, hey, you know what? Help me fundraise for this. You wouldn't have to go ask the freaking governor for welfare. What are you kidding me? What an absolute joke. Like that's such oh, a, a slimy, total slime ball act. Like so low, so low. No, I totally agree. I mean, I don't have that much to say on it. I just feel like Brett Favre has just like torpedoed himself. Oh, after his for career, sure. I, it's been like a, it's been an under, like I said, it's been an underrated, like slow ball downwards. It's pretty bad. Yeah, it's I been mean, really this, bad. I don't know. I feel like. Um, Anytime I see Brett Favre's name, it's typically for the, all the wrong reasons. Like, all the wrong reasons. For sure. All right, so let's move into our last thing, which is our week two preview. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do, and I, how I thought I'd start this, is I think the best place to start is 
let's pick tonight's game. So yeah. we have the Chargers playing the, the Chiefs tonight in Arrowhead. Justin Herbert and the Chargers are going into Kansas City. They are playing on the first Thursday night game of the year. Clark, who do you have winning? Oh, I, I went through this a lot of times in my head. I think these two teams are really, really close. I think these two teams have strengths that outweigh one another in some different ways. Wait, before before you say it, does it will your prediction change if JC Jackson plays or does not play? Um no, it would still say the same. It would okay. still say the same. I have Kansas City winning this game. I How think much? this is a game. Uh, I think it'll be probably a field goal game. Yeah. Um, I know they're missing Harrison Bucker. That could play into it a little bit. That's actually an injury I'm more worried about just because you have to switch kickers if you're Kansas City. Um, not, I'm not worried more. Obviously, Jacksonville field will be a big impact than Harrison Bucker. But um, I think Kansas City wins by three. I think this is a situation this season where these two teams probably split their home series. Yeah. Um, I think week two, Kansas city looked really, really good last season. I mean, last get week, I expect them to build upon that. Um, I would say probably final score 34, 31. Um, I think this is going to be a shootout. I know the Chargers defense is much improved, but let's say they are missing JC Jackson. That's a tough miss to have. I just think Kansas city's offense looks really efficient. Um, it's going to be a three-point three, three point game in my mind. Um, I like Kansas City, though, again, because they're at home. I think it's a tough one to go into week two and try to pull out in prime time. I like Kansas City. Yeah, uh, this one I'm also really tossed up. Of. Even as a Chargers fan, this one, I I think this is the hardest game to pick. And I don't get these people that are claiming it's a blowout. Like, no. There was some like ESPN show yesterday where somebody picked – or it was Jacoby Jones picked the Chargers to win by three – and the entire crew started laughing, like Nick Wright and whoever else was on the show. And I'm like, this game is going to be really, really close. Either way, I think it's a three-point game. I think it could sway either yeah, either direction, depending on who has the ball last. Um, And I think it's going to be who makes the least amount of mistakes. Now, the one X factor in this game, and I think it's the biggest X factor of it, is how it is this new pass rush of the Chargers going to affect Mahomes mm-hmm. I think it's the biggest change to either of these teams and I think that's really going to be the what decides it because the one thing about Mahomes is he's been really good against edge pressure mm-hmm. usually he's able to scramble out of the pocket make throws off the cusp but he's never played a tandem of this caliber so to me that is the biggest x factor if the Chargers get home I think the Chargers take it if Mahomes is a wizard like he was against Arizona, then I think the Chiefs take it. And again, I think it'll be a three-point game either way. I'm a homer, so of course I'm going to pick the Chargers by three. I think it'll be exactly your score. I think it'll be 34-31. I think they'll Mm -hmm. each get field goals. I think they'll each turn touchdowns. I think this game, we're going to see a lot of both teams going for it on fourth down. I would imagine so. You have two aggressive coaches, especially Staley's like lives and dies by it. I almost well, thought he was going to do that one last week on like fourth and five or whatever it was on 40, but then rush the push team, uh, punt team out there. I thought he was going to go for it then. Yeah, I thought he was too. I mean, the punt ended up being really good. People yeah, are all mad because the, I mean, all the Charger, the, the analytics Charger fans are like so mad. Like they can't ever take the decision making out of it because the wind graph, technically, if they had gone for it there, it would have added three points. But that doesn't add in that the punt was down to the two. Yeah. Like, I mean, again, if the punt had gone into the end zone, you probably would have been like, should have went for it. But yeah. the result of the punt was, was the right decision. 
you pinned him down at the two. That's the right decision. I agree. I mean, again, and you were up at that point. There was no need to really – I mean, I would have got it if you'd went for it. But, yeah. again, the punt was good. It was clean. It went to the two-yard line. You can't be mad about that. Um, But my thing is I think the Chiefs are going to go for it a lot because they won't have a kicker. Yeah. I mean, that'll hurt. I mean, they still have the punter. They still have the punter, but they won't have a kicker in Harrison Bucker. So I – I think both teams are going to go for it a lot, and that might what end up deciding the game, the fourth down conversion rate. Um, for me, I think if J.C. Jackson goes, I think it makes the Chargers' defense a little bit more interesting. I agree. I do not think he will go from what it sounds like. He's a game-time decision. He was a game-time decision last week. It doesn't feel like he's going to go. No Keenan Allen is also a big blow for the Chargers. That is a tough one. But, but DeAndre Carter looks good. DeAndre Carter looks good. Josh Palmer has looked Mike good. Will, I mean, it's certainly a, a little bit more of a concerning in the unit for itself. But again, I, I don't think Kansas City's defense is just okay. Not, Especially without Trent McDuffie. Yeah. It it takes out another corner piece for them. Yeah. A lot of these moves I just think are net even. I think right now, if you line it up, I don't see either team blowing out each other. I don't no, think I either think team the- will run the brakes. No, I think this is again. It just stays close. I think it's gonna. I mean, I feel like all of their matchups the last, you know, two two years now, maybe two years, yeah, two years now have stayed close. They've been well close under the Herbert era. They've the Chargers and Chiefs have been two and two, and the two Chiefs wins were in overtime. I mean, yeah, I know. These have just, just been sad. close games. They're they This is a for all the Chiefs fans that act like the Chargers aren't legit. This is obviously a, like a real rivalry. This is obviously the the newest dawn of a divisional matchup well i you know just really quick on this i i don't know what the outright needs to not deny the charter's rival of like these teams currently i i don't get it like you know i i know because like here's the thing I, like i understand if you don't want to call it a rivalry because you don't play the teams close or something like that i feel like as long i've we've grown i've grown up in san diego yeah. for so long when the Chargers are here no matter when those two teams played no matter where in the afc those two teams shared or split season series quite a bit quite a bit i feel like mm-hmm. so to deny this idea that the chargers aren't rivals to a team like kansas city that's that's silly i think it's you know it's a dumb thing the, the season records of the last couple of years have been close it's not a situation where it's like bears and packers where the packers just punch the bears no. in the mouth every time i mean again if if the chargers win tonight they will be over 500 against mahomes under the herbert era yeah. which not a lot of teams can say they've done. So we will see. Again, I think it'll be a really close game. Again, I'm I'm a Chargers fan, and I'm reluctant to pick them just because I can see the Chiefs winning just as much as I can see the Chargers winning. I think this game is going to be super close. I think it's going to come down to the end. Um, If the Chargers win, though, that is really big news for the NFL because their schedule gets so soft until week nine. They play pretty much every bad team you can think of. They play Atlanta. They play Houston. They play Seattle. They play Denver in that stretch. They play Jacksonville. They pretty much play every bad team you can think of. No, they they get some stinkers in there for sure. If they win tonight, you could be looking at them by week 10. They're 8-1, and which... In theory. We'll see. In theory, if they don't... Assuming the Chargers avoid chartering every once in a while. For sure. As some people say. For sure. You got to love chargering. No, um, I think the chargering days are done. I think those are gone. We'll see. So are there any other key matchups you want to talk about before we get on? Um, 
I think uh, I think Ravens and Dolphins should be a fun game. Um, yeah. I kind of actually I expect the Ravens to p- blow the doors off Miami. I think. Oh, I think so too. Uh, I think uh, Lamar is definitely going to be pissed about how things went last season against them with his lowest career to- uh, career point total against them. Um, another interesting matchup, I would say. I don't know. I, I'm looking at a lot of teams for bounce backs. Like, uh, I would love like if you know for the Broncos, the Bengals, for the Rams, for the Raiders. These are all teams that are considered six point favorites. Um, if I'm a fan of them, I'm looking for big bounce back weeks. So. I think an interesting game too, uh, Saints Buccaneers. Saints yeah. have had Tom Brady's numbers for a while here. Uh, I want to see if that continues. So probably not. But for I have two games that I think are good matchups that I'm going to be looking out for, which is Raiders Cardinals. Yep. I want to see mainly from both of these teams. They're both 0 1 right now. Cardinals got the doors beaten off them. Mm-hmm. Raiders lost to the Chargers, and their offensive line was bullied. Now I want to see how this blitz heavy cardinals team did again i have no idea why they blitzed mahomes at over 50 percent mahomes is the best at escaping pressure and finding open guys on like just busted plays i don't yeah. get why you take guys out of coverage at such a high rate whatever but um so i'm interested in that matchup i think those teams are right now are evenly matched i think the raiders take it home but mm-hmm. um and then the other one is just to see where these two teams are is Minnesota and Philly. I think this is a good, good pull to see where these two teams match up against each other. Cause as you saw, Theo Ash called the Vikings, the Super Bowl contenders. Now they have Kirk cousins, a quarterback. I, again, I don't get the argument. I don't think they're quite there. I mean, yes, they beat green Bay, but again, you said last week, green Bay played really bad last week. We'll see if they bounce back. They get to play the Bears, which... Yeah, they're 10-point favorites against Chicago. Why is that on Sunday Night Football? It's Who always on Sunday that? Night Football. Who put that up there? Who cares? The Bears suck. I'm sorry. The Bears are bad. Although, I will say this for the Bears. Uh, fantasy Football AZ, who constantly shows his ass on Twitter. Um, yeah. Apparently, you can't celebrate. He was upset that Bears, the Bears were celebrating because yeah. Justin Fields only had eight completions. See, that's that's an ick right there. Oh, you can't celebrate because of X reason. Off. I agree. Also, the conditions in Soldier Field were horrible. Were disgusting. Yeah. You could put any quarterback in that Soldier Field, and they probably would have played better than Fields, but not that much better. You know, just just looking at it on an off note, there are some huge spread lines this week in betting. Well, the, the matchups just honestly across the board, like when I was doing pickums for work, I was like, man, a lot of these games just. What? There's one, two, there's three 10 point favorites this week. There's some huge spreads. I mean, yeah, there's just not that many good matchups. The good matchups are Thursday night football tonight, Monday night football. I would say, I don't even think both. I think the Bills are going to beat the Titans. The but, um, I Monday. think the Minnesota Philly game is good. Yeah. Um, also, I'll give a shout out here. You know, this is a total off thing, but shout out to the Detroit Lions. This is their first game in three years that they are favored, favored oh, really? by a sports book to win a game. They are one and a half point favorites against the Washington Commanders at home. So shout mm-hmm. out the Detroit Lions. Shout out to those in a Motor City Kitty Homer a little bit. They're uh, I'm, I'm a fan of what they're doing over there. So should be a fun uh, week too, though. And I think no matter what, the way you look at it, again, it's football. Week yeah, it should be a good week. Should be see interesting to see if some teams can uh, bounce back. Any last comments before we hop off? 
no, not that I can think of, at least on the NFL side and think about other things. Um, San Diego Padres are leaking oil again. What's new? Classic three-fifths of their starting rotations, poo-poo, but we'll get to them uh, sometime soon here. Yep. All right, this has been From the Backseat. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed our new segments. Make sure to leave us a rating on all podcasting platforms. Make sure to subscribe and like on YouTube if you're watching it here. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And thank you for all the love. Have a great rest of your week. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one.